Podcast One. Lawyer Joanna Oakey doesn't like the way her industry goes about things. So she asked one simple yet very confronting question of her and her team. The answers once implemented have led to 25% growth year on year and a sales conversion rate of 90%. Yeah, 90%. It's a challenge everything, episode 522 of the 11-year-old, award-winning, small business, big marketing podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls, to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie. And welcome back to your weekly dose of litigious marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you are a motivated business owner and you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Big episode today. We meet Legal Eagle Joanna Oakey, whose firm Aspect Legal is benefiting hugely from the way her and her team challenge the way things get done. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner has used an idea from this podcast, check this out, to create what he terms an endless amount of ads. Nice. Plus, I let you in on next week's guests who've started a business off the back of a terrible tragedy. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, Timbo. Trent here, mate. Uh, I've got a little daily podcast called Trent 365, which is a short form daily thoughts, ideas, insights on marketing, on business, on spa, on wellness, on customer service, on hotels, all sorts of stuff. And in episode 653 of my show, I stumbled upon what I think is a fantastic marketing opportunity that we're all missing. It's the barber pole. You know, outside of the barber shop, you've got those poles that have got a red and a white and a blue stripe, and they spin around in a downward spiral. That pole is all over the world. It's the universal symbol for a barbershop. No matter where you go in the world, if you see that pole, you know it's a barbershop. And so the opportunity, I think, for lots of other people in lots of other different businesses is to create their own version of the barber pole. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Why isn't there a barber pole version of the beauty salon. Why isn't there a barber pole version of the toilet shop? I don't know, Tim, anything you can possibly think of. I reckon the barber pole is a fantastic missed opportunity in terms of marketing. What do you reckon? Right, mate, thanks for that. Let me, uh, let me know how you go. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Trent. A barber pole version for a toilet shop. I've got to ask Trent... What's a toilet shop? I guess one that sells toilets, but you don't see many of them. Anyway, a nice bit of lateral thinking, buddy, uh, from a fellow podcaster. Well done on on having so many episodes out there. Everyone else, if you'd like to leave me a message, ask me a question, maybe even share a marketing idea that's working for you, then call me now. 0480-015-150. That's 0480-015-150. Righto, today's guest, lawyer Joanna Oakey of Aspect Legal is a dreamer, a big dreamer, but not any old dreamer. 
Joanna dreams of creating the perfect legal business, one that breaks the traditional lawyer mould, delivers deep value to its precious clients, I like that idea, and one that has a positive impact on both her local community and the world. (laughs) Nothing like dreaming big, Joanna. And she's done this by asking one very confronting question of herself and her team, the answers to which have enabled her to employ 12 full-time staff, have led to 25% growth year on year, and she has a 90% conversion rate on sales calls. Before she reveals that question and how she's challenging a very staid industry, I started off by going one for one with Joanna on what lawyers are getting wrong. I'll start the batting by saying I feel like they're very unapproachable. Yeah, that's, you you know, I completely agree. I've heard people talk about that a lot. Um, One of the things that we, and and I guess just to preface this conversation, I can say all of this about lawyers, obviously, because I am one, but I'm not talking about myself here, obviously, but, you know, we deal with lawyers all the time on the other end of transactions. And we talk to people who come into our business all the time from their experiences with other lawyers before. So this is where we sort of glean all of this information. But I think number one, they're slow. That's what, you know, I don't know if you hear that feedback about lawyers, but that's something that really annoys people. Well, I think that plays into the fact that they're not necessarily client focused. I mean, this is sounding incredibly harsh and we'll probably get a whole lot of hate mail and what are, what are those letters you send out? Uh, letters of, you know. Cease and desist, yeah. Cease and desist. Um, you know, so they are slow. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm take your word for it. But that is all about not being client focused, isn't it? Do you know what? You were so right. You were so right. And I guess it's an industry that for so long probably saw themselves on a bit of a pedestal. But I think that's what clients are feeling when, you know, you talked about this whole unapproachable. I think that's what they're feeling. They're feeling that there is some sort of, um, you know, difference maybe in the lawyer's mind about where each of them sit as well. So, I think being able to, you know, not talking a business that the language of the businesses that they're dealing with, you know, I think that's a real issue. Scary pricing. Scary pricing. And just this fear, I think, of not knowing what yes. the end outcome on pricing will be. Yeah, absolutely. They speak jargon. That's something I hear a lot. Yeah, total jargon. A lot of industries do. I mean, I was talking to someone about this yesterday where most industries have their own language, probably the law even more so. And again, that can be incredibly scary and a good reason not to contact one unless you really had to. And then often it's a bit too late, too late. isn't it? So, but mm. maybe we'll talk about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Activity later. Um, they're faceless. Now, I know that would be hard when you've got a firm of lawyers. I mean, whose face do you put to it? But I have a look around at various websites and lawyers' websites and just general service industry websites, and I am surprised at how many don't put faces to the name because at the end of the day, people buy from people. It's about relationships, yet, again, they seem very scary and, and you know, who are these people? You know what? That's such a good point. I haven't even thought a lot about that one. That is such a good point. Well, you, you've, I'm you've addressed that, that to my I'll list. Come, yeah, well, you've actually done something about it. We'll come to that. Um, look, there there are so many things, and we're not here to lawyer bash, but it is an interesting marketing case study, and that was my interest in getting you on the show because you are challenging uh, at aspect legal a lot of the conventions of that industry, and I don't know whether you've done it 
in a formal way where I had a guest on the show many years ago who taught us um, a process of innovation called Killer Innovations. His name was Phil McKenney. And one of the one of the processes he talked about was go and identify the conventions, all the conventions of the industry in which you operate. And we've just listed some for the legal industry. And then flip them 180 degrees and see what that looks like. So if it's a faceless industry, then what does putting a face to the industry look like? That kind of stuff. And then it doesn't mean you apply every single 180 degree learning, but look at them and go, would that be good for our business? Would that be good for our clients? And it just seems to me that that's what you've done in some of the things that aspect, in the way aspect legal go to market. I I think wanting to challenge the norms is something that is quite innate because I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and in my dealings with other lawyers, you know, I just keep feeling like this is wrong, this is not the way to do it, we can do it better, you know, I really feel like there's so much scope here for us to lift the bar. But one of the things that I then did was I made it, um, we have team retreats and, and we look at the business and we look at ways that we can innovate. And one of the things that I did a couple of years ago was I pulled out a whiteboard and I said, guys, I want you to tell me everything that you've ever heard someone say that they hate about lawyers, right? So what what frustrates them? And, you know, we just spent maybe an hour and a half, two hours, just all together going through this list, exactly what you and I were doing just now, which is why I'm really familiar with the list because I think about it a lot about what we can do to be different. And then, and then we went through this process, right, I want you all to think about, let's all come up with ways that we can smash that. How can we be known as the firm that smashes those norms? And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say that, you know, um, it's another thing to make that a living thing because that's freaking hard, you know. Um, I t- you might have to cut some things out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, no, we don't. You go for gold, Miss Oki. <laughs> but that's, do you know what? It's, it's super hard for anyone in any business. You can have a dream that you want to smash the norms and you want to be different, but you know what? That is so not enough, you know, and you can't just have this idea one day and 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 espouse it to the world and then it's done. It's not about that. It's about hard work, focusing on it every single day. You know, I'm obsessed with this concept. How do we smash those norms? How do we be different? How do we provide value? Joanna, I, I love that thinking. You not only think like that, but you're actually about to share how you have gone about smashing the norms and challenging the conventions. But just explain a little bit more to us how you maintain that attitude. So first thing I picked up was you're an entrepreneur at heart. You're not a lawyer at heart, you're an entrepreneur at heart. And entrepreneurs think for the customer. Okay, so that's that's great. Do you literally, do you carry a notebook? Do you just constantly have your radar on looking at the industry and going, geez, they're getting it wrong. We can do it so much better and here's how. What does that actually look like on a daily basis? So firstly, I have notes that I leave myself. I'm a terrible sleeper because I wake up in the middle of the night and think, how can we do this better? You know, can we improve? And then I just, I can't sleep. So I get up and I send notes to my team and and they probably hate me for it. But I think partly it's innate. There's, Mm -hmm. um, you've got to be driven by passion. You know, that's the first thing. So for me, it's not necessarily about having to remind myself because I'm so, it's so important to me. But the second thing is, 
as you live it. And I probably learned that this was important to me also from client feedback. So clients said this again and again and again. And I started to work out that this was, you know, I thought it was important, but they thought it was important too. And they saw that it was something different and they loved how it felt. So, you know, it's that positive feedback cycle that works really well as well when you're doing something right. So I think I think it's that. And then I think it's about setting up the the systems and processes so that it's a system that drives itself. And one of the things that I did, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on, I, I started a, a podcast, so I've actually got two, but one of them in particular is all about interviewing people in the industry. And that helps me to constantly hear what is going on, what people are thinking and seeing everything in a broader context than just the law. And that's how we be different because I'm constantly looking at things that are broader than my industry. You know, so for our listeners out there who are trying to do it, that's what, you know, you've got to get out of your industry and you've got to understand your clients and the people you're dealing with. Because otherwise you can't mm. innovate. Yeah, totally agree with that. The legal industry, it's a very old industry. It's a very staid industry, arguably a very opinionated industry. Um, and there must be people who look in at aspect legal and in at what you're doing as the principal of that business and go, I wish she'd back off or she's stupid or, you know, we've always <laughs> done this, so why change? I mean, have you, you, have you, have you got a bit of a kickback, a bit of flack? Well, uh, I don't know. I think I'm I'm the sort of person who probably wouldn't even see the flack if it was there in the first two areas because I'm just so committed to my ideas on it that I probably don't hear yeah, 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 <laughs> anything great. else around it. Focused. But where I guess I have the challenges sometimes is, you know, I'm trying to build a firm of lawyers that aren't like lawyers. So that's hard, right? Because they're lawyers, right? So it's how do I take my team with me on this journey? And how do I get them to see the vision, number one, but also number two, it's all about a lot of untraining and unlearning of things that they've learned over time as well. So that's where my challenge comes in, not so much from external challenge, because I I just see right through that. Because lawyers, notwithstanding all the lawyer bashing we just did before, lawyers fulfill a massively important purpose. And if I can just tell just a super quick story, when I was a junior lawyer, um, I worked with a client who had who had come in and um, they'd been building, they'd been on this massive growth trajectory with their business. And they one of, one of the entrepreneur dreams is to do less in the business and work on the business and to appoint management teams and, you know, to move themselves away, right? And this guy had done that and he'd, uh, he'd appointed this manager to the business and was had stepped away. Then suddenly one day he realised they were in massive financial strife. And he came to the legal firm I was at at that time and, and I dealt with him, but it was too late. His business was just completely to the wall. He had creditors that owed him masses of money and it was just too late to do anything. So the business went down. His accountant at the time gave him probably not some great advice and he ended up in bankruptcy. He ended up with death threats. His marriage broke down and he came into the office and we just had this moment where he was in tears and there was this guy in front of me 
that I knew had been let down by the legal profession, by the accounting profession, because he hadn't, he just hadn't gotten in early enough to get the right advice from the right people. So no matter what lawyer bashing we do, we hold a really key role to be able to help businesses but we've got to have the right mindset to do that, right? So, so what you've done, therefore, with Aspect Legal is position that business, that brand and the people within it in order to, to be able to do that, to be able to handle people like that and make them feel comfortable and loved and needed and whatever it may be and then solve the problem after that. Um, yeah. It's an interesting point you make about, you know, you're having, I think you said yesterday when we spoke, you know, the the, uh, the industry attracts super smart people, but they're disengaged. Yeah. So your challenge is the, the founder of your business is to attract those super smart people and engage them in a way of doing business that may be a little bit alien to them. Certainly not what they, what they learned at university, and certainly what they learned by working for the big firms and and do it differently. I imagine that'd be quite a compelling um, employment value proposition, and you attract really good people as a result of what you're doing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It absolutely is. But it's a, as I said at the beginning, it is a, it's a constant process. You can't just dream this and then it will happen. Hmm. Everyone needs to do a lot of unlearning. So it's, it's a, I think we're able to offer something completely different. Um, and as you say, that absolutely gives us the opportunity to attract some amazing people who are really disenchanted. But then it's hard work by all of us to make it a living reality, right? Well, let's have a look at how you are challenging the legal profession. And I'm going to start by looking at your net promoter score, which you have on your website, which mm. you, your website is really good. You know, from oh, a, you. a marketing point of view, from a services marketing point of view, I would encourage anyone just to go and have a look at aspectlegal.com.au and and pull it apart because that's what I want to do a little bit right now, Joanna. Your, your net promoter score, you rank significantly above the global benchmark for all businesses and the Australian industry benchmark for professional services. So now all businesses have an average net promoter score of 13. The, the law profession has an average net promoter score of negative 22. You have an have have a net promoter score of 50 that is awesome it's awesome that a you're even measuring it using net promoter score and and b the fact that you're ranking so well sort of doesn't surprise me when i look at some of the things you do so let's go and create a list of things that you're doing to challenge the convention and i just want to start by saying on your website if I was to pull it apart, it's awesome. You, you have an about page, which, you know, meet the team. You've got a face to every one of your staff. There's one here that I really love, uh, and it's a little sidebar on the website somewhere, and it's actually just gone. It was there. It was different ways to work with you. Um, you had a 15-minute free consult. That was awesome. You had a one-hour um Help me here, but a, a one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, like health check, legal health, health check, check. So, legal yeah, health yeah. check. That's a paid service, I'm guessing, but a really easy entry point. Yeah, yeah, and and refundable against you know retainer or stuff that we might do for them in the future because we get to understand them. And this is the one I love: the lawyer line that yeah. you've created. You've got a lawyer line for small businesses, and you've got legal on tap for large businesses. And I just think, do you want to explain this service? Because this is just like, it's almost a no-brainer to have a lawyer on tap uh, for a monthly retainer. Just explain that service, Joanna. Yeah, so the whole idea behind that is businesses get themselves into trouble because they're too scared to call a lawyer 
before the issue spirals out of control, right? And they're too scared to call the lawyer because they think it's going to cost them a fortune. But the irony is if they called their lawyer right in the beginning, it would save them an absolute ton of cash. So, you know, my perspective is make it easy for them to be able to call the lawyer, make it cheap, create a service where there's no friction between them calling and speaking to to us. Because I know when they call and speak to us regularly, then we'll get to know them and we can help them be proactive in their business. You know, and that's what it's all about. That's what saves businesses from turning out like this guy I was talking about right in the beginning, who was too scared to talk to their lawyers. If he'd only had a pick up the phone, he's paying a low monthly fee. Do you mind if I ask what it is? Yeah, it's 159 plus GST per month. Mate, I'll have one of those right now and I don't even need a lawyer. <laughs> I don't think. That is awesome. <laughs> so, so, okay, so that, I imagine that could be costing you money in the short term yep. if people abuse it, although I imagine a, a minority would abuse it. Others would just be happy to know. It's almost like insurance. It's there, but I'm not going to use it. Yeah. But the reality is, even if it is costing you money, it's the cost of then getting business because to, what percentage of those people paying a monthly retainer then have a larger job to do, which is a full project fee? Absolutely, that's right. And and the point is, like, I, I'm not growing. I'm super clear about what it is that um, I'm growing. It's not a one-off transaction with a client. And if it was, there'd be no point having that service, right? Because that makes no sense. It makes no sense as a service when you look at the price of it. But I don't care because I'm building lifetime customers and lifetime customers don't think about the cost when they pick up the phone to call you. Love it. That is genius. Um, okay, I'll hand it over to you now. How? how uh, give us another way of challenging the category. I've got plenty here, but, you know, I'm not here to do all the talking. Yeah, I mean, there's so many that I could talk about. Firstly, I, I guess there's internal and external and some of the things that we were talking about um, just before with with the way that we engage with prospects and clients is, is external. And, and you talked about the free call line and that we reduce friction. So we make it really easy. So people are looking at our website. I've got a problem. They can book themselves into our calendar and speak with one of our lawyers at any time they can pick a time. And that reduces the friction. And almost we have a really high conversion rate for businesses that are in our target more than 90%, I'd say, um, conversion rate. But we make it easy for them to come into us. We, um, we filter well. And then we have those discussions that, you know, they almost come in pre-sold, really. I, I mean, that's the reality. T- tell us about that. just that conversion rate, 90% conversion rate. Everyone listening has just put up their hand and go, can I please have one of those? <laughs> there'll, there'll be people just buying the $159 a month just to get in contact with you to find it. Hey. <laughs> how you're actually marketing your business. Um, Tell me, 90% conversion rate. Okay, so I had a town planner on a few weeks ago. Um, His conversion rate had gone off the charts when he took off the specialists from doing the sales. He did two things. He no longer just took calls from prospects. They needed to book an appointment to have a sales call. Okay. You couldn't just ring up and go, tell me about your service. You'd need to book an appointment. The second part of that was the person at the other end who took that call was no longer the town planner, right? Or the specialist. It was actually a salesperson. And the salesperson wasn't there to sell. The salesperson was there to understand the needs and problems of the prospect that was calling in order for them to deliver a solution that that was laser focused. That was why their conversion rate was off the charts. Why is your conversion rate at 90%? 
Well, it's not that, and that's a good idea. I might even consider how we can implement that. Timbo, I like it. This is useful. Um, um, it's because I think one of the things is our podcast. So it's the funnel by which they reach us. So um, our prospects either come to us referred. I have always focused really heavily on referral partners and providing value to referral partners so they know how we work. So, if a client comes to us referred, they're probably closer to 100% conversion rate, but they'll either come to us referred or they'll come to us through our content, which is our podcasts, a little bit of social, you know, we've got a bit more work to do on social, but usually our podcasts or they'll just find our articles or, or podcast content as they're Googling. And so they'll have gone through this process of hearing me talk about some of the ideas that I have, hearing me talk about the issues uh, and the risks in their business. And so they come, they don't come for a sales call, they they come pre-sold. I think that's the reality. We need to pause here because music to my ears, Joanna, I wish more business owners would listen to this. What you just said is basically create content that is useful, helpful, engaging, build an audience, and then that audience at some point will develop trust in you. There'll be a familiarity with you. And when they pick up the phone, if you listen to the language in which they talk, when they approach you, it'll be, hey, Joanna, I heard you on the podcast. Um, Do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Or I love the podcast. You know, I get people, you know, calling me and saying, hey, you don't mind if I call you Timbo, do you? Because it's like how I go, it's my name (laughs) on the podcast, right? And it's like, there's this familiarity that you build and it's, it's awesome. And that's what great content does, whether it be a blog or a podcast or a great, great social media channel but that that is fantastic and I, I just want to add to that because um, I've always I, l- I love your content and because you have so much enthusiasm and you're clearly passionate about it and I'm the same you know I don't I don't just do it for marketing in inverted commas and I don't think any of us would if that you know because podcasts require a lot of time right and I've been doing it for years now but but the the benefit of it is, um, you know, I'm doing something I love. I'm passing out information that I really honestly believe is valuable. So if you do that with integrity, I think you're 100% correct. But it's got to be with integrity because I think people can see through some marketing that is just mass created. Marketing for marketing's sake. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Earlier, Joanna, you said you provide value to referral partners and you're big on referral partners. Mm. How do you get referral partners? Because I love that whole, it's just great amplification. And then how do you add value to them? And don't say it's a, don't say it's a gold class movie ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that one. Maybe I'll add that as one of the things to the list. No, um, we- Boring. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I think it's back to this focus on, as I said before, I'm obsessed about thinking about the value that we can provide to clients. Um, it's not just clients. I'm obsessed about thinking about the value that we can provide our referral partners. And I have always seen them as that, partners in our business. And um, so when we have, so firstly, how 
how do I find referral partners? Mm -hmm. These days they find me through the podcast, but that wasn't always the case. You know, it certainly wasn't the case. So for us, the biggest groups of referral partners are accountants and business brokers because we do we do specialist work in business sale and acquisitions. So business brokers and corporate advisors um, fit that area. And we have a general commercial division and that fits the requirements of accountants because they're a trusted advisor. Their clients go to them. They want to be able to refer them to someone that they trust, right? And so I said, right, what do what do accountants need them? Well, they need to understand where the risks are from a legal perspective for their clients. Right. Well, I need to make sure I'm helping to communicate to them. So when they identify this stuff, they know who to go to. So over the years, you know, the last decade, I've done in lots of different ways. You know, it used to be back in the old days, newsletters, and it used to be, you know, articles on your website, a blog, and then it evolved into webinars. So I got really into webinars and I'd run webinars all the time to provide information to mostly to my referral partners, so to the accountants and the business brokers. And then it evolved into podcasts. And I have them, you know, any great referral partners I have on the podcast to help promote them, to get to understand them and to get to understand their clients. And so I think it's, in reality, it's just about an obsessive and relentless focus on the value that you're providing. The webinar strategy, you, so you moved on to podcasting, but you were doing a lot of webinars. So you were doing live webinars, adding value to referral partners' lives and covering topics that they'd be interested in. You, I think you're also saying, did you do evergreen webinars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got into the evergreen webinar thing. And the reason I did that was necessity. Going to explain what that is and tell us why you did it? Yeah. Okay. So so it meant I ran a webinar um, or in the end, I, I ended up just recording a webinar and then using software systems, I put it into a software system. So that allowed me to send out um, marketing to say, you know, sign up to this webinar covering, you know, the brand new changes to the Privacy Act or whatever it was at the time um, that might impact your practice and the business of your clients. So for uh, the accountants, for example, if that's what I was doing, I was talking about them and their clients. And so put it in a software system and then uh, sent out the registrations. They'd register, but what they actually were played was a, um, was a replay. But the benefit of doing it that way rather than sending them a video was because my belief is that when people have something scheduled in their calendar, they'll turn up and do it. When they're just sent a video, they'll say, yes, I'll watch it, but I'll watch it tomorrow. And then everyone's too busy and tomorrow never comes. So I went with this, forced them to book it in and then play it. But the reason that I had to do them as automated was because I was pregnant and I wanted the um, the business to keep running while I took time off with my son had a really small legal practice at the time. I mean, look, lawyers hate doing webinars anyway, so it would have been too hard for me to find any of my team to do webinars because, you know, like lawyers generally hate doing that sort of thing. So I thought, well, I've got to do it, but I can't be there doing it. So what am I going to do? So I pre-recorded 12 months of content, 12 months of, you know, the emails to go out to promote the content, just set it up in the system and it just dripped out over 12 months. Wow. So that kept the firm growing while I wasn't there. And that allowed me to have time off. And you know what? That was one of the best times in the business because it forced me to set up systems to make it operate without me being there. I mean, I I don't recommend to everyone to go and get pregnant to try and achieve that outcome. (laughs) 
really easy ways to do it. But, um, but you know, it, for me, it, I had a deadline, right? Yeah. The deadline was not able to be moved. And I wanted my, I had staff that uh, relied on me. So the, the business had to keep running and growing while I took time out. So that's how I did it. Yeah, fantastic. Do you love where the business is at right now, Joanna? Do you you know what? I do. I absolutely love it. But I've got this, I feel like we haven't smashed enough norms yet. You know, I just feel like we've got so much I want to do. Are there some conventions or norms you've identified that would appear to be a little bit scary to smash, to challenge, to put in place something different? Yeah. Do you know what? That is such a good question. Do you know what? The billable hour is really freaking hard to, I feel like it can be solved, but we, I haven't worked out how to solve it yet. So we have, we have clients who are on retainers and that works really well because we can deal with getting away from time billing in that environment. We have certain matters where we can have fixed fees and that's great. We can deal with it in that environment, but in the legal industries, there's a lot of what you do that depends on the amount of negotiation that's required that is completely outside of your control. Now, we have lots of things that we can do to try and control it, but it's just, it's one of those things that I'm still working on it. I will get there. Yeah, yeah, got it. (laughs) A a past guest and her name escapes me, but she had a naturopathy practice in Brisbane and, you know, she uh, had on staff or she had people leasing rooms like chiropractors and dietitians and masseurs, et cetera, and she completely flipped that model to go to a monthly membership model mm. and she charged a high monthly membership fee, got rid of a lot of the existing clients, put all her the chiropractor and the dietitian, all those practitioners on wage, actually on staff, or they left. And she really smashed it, really smashed it. A bit scary because I guess some clients are going to use and abuse. It's a bit like your $159 monthly retainer for the lawyer line. But um, yeah, I can imagine you guys are, you're almost addicted to the, what do you bill by the six minutes or something? Is, do you know is what, that what we you do? do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but then- you, know, you need to challenge that. That's very naughty. Uh, yes. Do, do you, I hear- I hear you. I hear you. It's just a really tough one, particularly because, as I said before, we've got a number of areas in the business that we have broken that um, and where we can, we will, but there's still, it's not a complete circle yet. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Marketing wise, Mm. it sounds to me uh, like it's a lot of referral business Is and you are limited by what you can do. Is there any marketing that works particularly well or is there some marketing that you'd love to do but scares the the producers out of you? I'm trying to do more videos at the moment, but I just, I, I feel like in the next few weeks we'll we'll have um, solved that but it's something that I've aimed to do for years but um, it's a massive blockage because it's just there's so many variables to it and it requires you to stand down the barrel of a camera what's been stopping yeah, you yeah. you like to talk you like to present you know your stuff yeah yeah I, do, I don't know I always get too busy doing other things so therefore I'm procrastinating it's a very good point now we've talked about it and highlighted it that's it I make <laughs> I'll, it I'll, this I'll, is my I'll, thing <laughs> I'll give you a mindset shift around that uh, with all respect, but how dare you not share your knowledge? How dare you keep it from others by not producing these videos? People's lives are going to be better off if you do produce them um, because no doubt they'd be problem solving incredibly helpful, yet you choose not to. So, I think 
Stop it. Perfectionist in me as well. <laughs> you know, you like you just want it yeah. all to be. I want it to be perfect, and um, I record something. Oh, the shit, that's not. Oh, sorry. Whoops, yeah. I cut but, it out again. All good. Uh, it, it's not good enough. We need to do that again. Which is funny because on the podcast, you know, I'm not like that at all. I've completely. Right. But I guess it's practice, isn't it? So you just got to get in maybe. and uh, maybe yeah, just yeah, yeah. do it. But the podcast, the thing I think that work. Uh, right at this moment are the thing that worked best for me because people, you know, podcasts, just like the people who are listening in right now, you know, they could be running along the beach or probably not on the commute to anywhere at the moment because no one, but, you, you know, they're listening to us, aren't they? So Well, yeah, yeah. And that's what I like about the audio medium versus video, whereas with audio, uh, and I've covered this in a, in a podcast I did about podcasting last year, but audio you can listen to anywhere, obviously. You're not required to look at the screen. So it's very mobile. It has less direct responsibility, but it's great for brand awareness, whereas video you're forced to look at the screen, so you can't do it while you're at the gym or driving or jogging, whatever you're do, doing, but it has higher direct response capabilities because if, I, if I'm if i on video and, and say, you know, hit the button below to register, people can do it there and then, whereas they can't do that while they're driving. So there are there are pros and cons and people say, you know, video is amazing and it's the next big thing or it is the big thing, Google own YouTube, blah, blah, but I think there's a lot of upside to podcasting. And I would say with you too, I mean, you've already got two podcasts, one's called Talking Law, the other's called The Deal Room. Fantastic. Um, you know, how far do you need to stretch? You know, always. I'm a, I'm a bit of a I'm, – I'm one for suggesting that identify one marketing channel and really embrace it, like really, really own it, uh, as opposed to spread yourself thinly across, you know, four, five, six different ways of creating content. So, But it's, only, it's one school of thought and it's mine and, you know, who am I to know? Oh, it's a good point. Makes me feel a bit better about not having done the video thing. <laughs> hey, Joanna, it's a great story. I love what you're doing. Um, aspectlegal.com.au is Joanna's website. And seriously, if you need a lawyer, then maybe think about contacting them. You even do little smart things like your phone number is in the top right-hand corner of every mm. page. Yeah. So many businesses don't do that. But it's like, <laughs> hey, guys, if you're going to drive traffic to your website, people might get interested about contacting you. So put your bloody phone number there you know yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so there your podcast and if you're not if you don't need a lawyer then just go to her website and pull it apart because there's lots <laughs> of good stuff on there to learn from Thanks, Tim. Actually, one thing that lots of people comment on is the video. Oh, yes. Um, oh, so we've got, a, we've got a short video on our homepage. And I think um, one of the things that struck me about that is the important, and I've talked about this before, authenticity and, and, and you know, whatever. I, I talked about that earlier. But I, I think people want to identify with a person, you know, and they want to understand, you know, it's a bit like that Simon Sinek, your why or whatever, but they want to understand who it is and, you, you know, what it's like to work with them. And so I'm really proud of our video on our website because it truly reflects us. But, you know, I, I highly recommend that to people who are listening as well, business owners, to create something that is that authentic thing that your prospects can see so they feel it really quickly, straight up. You're speaking my language, Joanna, and that is why you are a guest on this podcast. Hey, well done to you. Keep challenging. Never stop. Keep it interesting. And and good luck for the future. Thank you so much, Tim. I've loved it. Thank you.
Great stuff. That was Aspect Legal's Joanna Oakey. And I encourage you to head over to aspectlegal.com.au and not only take a look at the video she mentioned, but also see what other elements you could apply to your own website. Are your contact details in the top right-hand corner of every page? Are you creating helpful content like she is? Do you introduce your staff in an engaging way? So many lessons. Right, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Joanna. Attention grabber number one. I love how Joanna took her team away for a whiteboard session where she posed one simple but unbelievably powerful question, what do people hate about lawyers? So do it for your business. What do people hate about plumbers, about masseurs, about accountants, <laughs> about podcasters? And then have a follow-up question of how can we do each of those things better? Attention grabber number two. I love Joanna's view on marketing and that everyone needs to do a whole lot of unlearning in regards to it. You know, we get so stuck in our ways and often miss great ideas and initiatives by only looking within our own industries. It's time to look outside of your industry for stimulus, for big ideas. And attention grabber number three. I love, love, love the lawyer's line she's created at $159 a month. This is such a simple way, not only to get to offer great value, but to establish trust that leads onto bigger paying projects. What is your version of a lawyer's line look like? That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, give me a buzz on 0480 015-150. You've got up to five minutes to let me know, and I might just play it on an upcoming episode. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action as a result of an idea they picked up on this podcast. And today's winner is... Elephant Whisperer, James Rankin of elephantadvisory.com.au. Actually, they're finance brokers. Not sure where the elephant bit came from, but, you know, it's a catchy name, one that stands out. And here's what James has to say. Hey, Timbo, mate, what can I say? You and your guests have provided me with so much usable information that I have started implementing in my business. The most recent being that of Colin Frager and the key word question videos he talked about. We have created our list and now on the way to creating as many videos as we can to answer the questions we created. I think this is absolutely brilliant as we can see in data form the most popular words and phrases people are seeking to have answers. It's given us an endless amount of ads to create as well. So that's one less thing we have to try and come up with. Thanks again for providing so much value, Timbo. I've just ordered your book, The Boomerang Effect. Oh, Oh, thanks, James. I knew someone had bought it. But looking forward to next week's show as usual. Kind regards, James Rankin, elephantadvisory.com.au. James, for that wonderful email, you have won a full range of Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits valued at over 500 bucks. Um, vouchers for Sendal, Torsion Bar and Tradies. You get promotion on this show and a back leak in the show notes. Well done to you for taking action. 
Well, that is nearly it, team. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, be sure to join the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. We've currently got about 700 members sharing ideas, pushing each other to be better marketers every day, and it's just a wonderful community. I encourage you to join. It's free and it's very helpful. Next time, we catch up with a couple of young tradies who are making a mozza from making high-vis workwear even more high-vis. I didn't think that was possible. Unfortunately, the idea is off the back of a terrible tragedy that happened to one of them, but all will be revealed in next week's episode. If you've got something you'd love to tell me, be sure to give me a buzz, 0480 150. Put that in your phone under Timbo or Marketing Gold or something. If you're picking up what I'm putting down over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ, then you'll find 520... Two, 521 more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app. Please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Show, which is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and quietly, ever so quietly pulled together by the most invisible team of audio savants over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now.